Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of A Power with Pops coming to you from Gainesville, Florida, uh, the southeastern uh, music mecca of Florida, at least it is to me. I could be biased, but I uh, today I am joined by uh, a musician, an artist, uh, uh, an activist. Um, um, to me, I think after all these years, I found to be uh, quite an intelligent business person when it comes to what he is doing and and uh, the ideas that he has and the way he uh, follows through with all of his work. And today I am joined by Ian McKay from every band that you could think of that he's been in. <laughs> Welcome, sir. Welcome, thank sir. You. Yes, thank you for uh, thank you for joining me. Sure. And I would say Gainesville, you refer to as the southeast Mecca of Florida, but it's not in the southeast of Florida. Uh, yeah, kind of s- south middle, I guess you would call it, maybe more northern. I, I actually think of, I think of as Gainesville being nor- more north. More north, it's not, yeah. It's not yeah. Panhandle, but it's north. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But it See, is for, you know, it's definitely, Gainesville's always had a really, I mean, we've played in Gainesville many times. Yes, you have. Um, and it was... There are great gigs there. And I played there in Minor Threat as well. I, mean, I played there in Minor Threat and Fugazi. Oh, yeah. I've heard um, about the shows. And the event, the event had an epic show there. Um, oh, awesome. Yeah, so it's uh, it's always been a really... Um, I find Gainesville's always was like a pretty incredible, like, um, vibrant, energetic scene, music scene, for sure. Yes. I mean, other, other towns in Florida also had, like, really... Oh yeah, they're really all different. They're all really different kinds of scenes. Florida's mm. a really, you know, we <clears throat> we made it a point always to go to Florida. Okay, and we always try to get go all the way down. I think we feel like Florida got sort of left gets left off the tour map because it really literally hangs off the bottom of the country, so it's on the way to nowhere. Basically, right. so you know, if you're going, you got you're committing. You know, right? They, you know, they say when you they say when you get to the when you if you drive from you know, New York or DC down to Miami. When you get to the Florida border, you're halfway there. <laughs> That's and, right. And uh, and uh, but you know we did we played Jacksonville, we played you know Tampa, we played Orlando, we played Miami, Fort Lauderdale, we played in Tallahassee. Wow. You know we and and it was really just really interesting to get to know these different scenes and they're quite different. Um, do you think but we we made it a point? Yeah. Yeah. It was cool to go down there. Do you think Florida, like the ideology that a lot of Americans have about Florida, is as real as what people have? Uh, I, I, well, first of all, I don't know if a lot of people in America have this ideology, but maybe you should tell me what you think the ideology is. I think, a, I I think a lot of people don't ha- truly understand that like Florida's like was originally started out as a very artistic state with a lot of like African uh, horse farmers and stuff. And like uh-huh. St. Augustine was supposed to be the next Hollywood. So, like, this state originally started out as a very artistically bound state, and somehow all the northerners moved down here and made it not so much. (laughs) And my family Uh, included, so. (laughs) You're blaming it on the New York people, huh? (laughs) Well, I'm from from New Hampshire. Most of my family, a lot of my family moved down here as well during the seventies and stuff like that. And New Yorkers, people from Ohio that moved down here during the fifties, stuff like sure. that. So, you know, there was a, 
years ago, I went to a pretty amazing map exhibit. Um, it was in the Smithsonian Museum, and mm. the theme of the map exhibit was um, it's less important of what the map is of. Um, it's more important than who made the map. That wow. was sort of the... Okay. The, and so there was a map called the Upside Down Map, and mm. the Upside Down Map, if you looked at it, had New York or maybe Boston at the bottom and Miami at the top. Oh, wow. And the reason they made that map is that for people who are driving, they're driving back up to Boston, for instance, or back to Boston, they would, if you're going from Miami to Boston and you want to go uh, west, if you're looking at a, a map where it's oriented to the north of the top, right. then it's like everything, like that's fine. But if you're going south and you want to go west, it's like it's actually opposite, right? It's not right. to the right, it would be <laughs> not to the left, it's to the right. You know, so it's like, yeah. so people couldn't figure it out. So the, the, to make it easier for people, they made one map for driving there, one map for driving back, and just turned the whole thing upside down. Oh, wow. Just so people, because they couldn't figure out that west was right or left. You know, right. you know that was, <laughs> that's that pretty, was the issue. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So you've been but really, but it really signified to me though, yeah. was just how many people were beating that trail. Yeah, no, very true, that right? Was really, that was powerful. You know, yeah, that was a really interesting thing to think about. So you've been doing, um, you've been doing this, this work that you've been doing. Uh, I don't know what officially since '79. I don't. Is your is your is your come up as a young kid? Is this in D.C. Uh, proper? Is this? Outside of D.C., what? Where are your beginnings? I was born and raised in Washington. I'm actually a fifth-generation Washingtonian native. Wow. And, um, yeah, and basically I've lived, you know, in the area my entire life. My mom was born here. My grandfather was born here. My great-grandparents were born here. You know, on that side and uh, and so forth. Um, but my dad still lives in the house I was raised in, 3819 Beecher Street. Um, he's still there and. Uh, my mom died back in 2004, Sorry. but, uh, and, you know, my family, you know, my parents are both only children, so I had no aunts, no uncles, and no cousins. Right. I had three sisters and a brother, oh, wow. and two of my sisters and my brother all live here, and I have one sister who lives out on the West Coast. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but we're pretty cellular as a family. Yeah. Like, we were, you know, and I think to, we, yeah, I grew up in the city. I went to D.C. public schools. Cool. Um. I met Rollins, Henry, who was Henry Garfield at the time, yeah. when I was 11. He grew up in my neighborhood, Glover <laughs> Park, D.C. Yeah. Uh, we met when I was 11 years old, and we became probably around the age of 13 or maybe early 14. Um, we started skateboarding together, and we became just the tightest of friends. I mean, I talk, to, I talk to Henry every week still. Wow. And, um, uh, and then, you know, we skateboard. We had a skateboard team together. Uh this is all through like when early like mid seventies. Yeah, we had our own skate. We made our own skateboard team. We didn't. We weren't sponsored by anybody. We didn't realize that was. We just wanted to be a street gang essentially. We just wanted to right. have an identifying. We didn't, we had shirts that didn't even say anything. They but, just had black and gold. And everybody was like, "Who are you guys?" You know. Before Alba so was then, Alba. <laughs> no. Well, before yeah, it was. We knew when we certain course knew the Dogtown guys, but yeah. he didn't. Wasn't about Alva. Yeah. Wasn't a brand. You know, it was yeah, just yeah. like. Um, it was just that darker... so that's, we approach it really we we approach it really much very much as like the dogtown thing like we saw it as a loose confederation of skaters from dc and then we'd go out to these contests and you know i wasn't a very good skater henry was pretty decent he could win some freestyle stuff but i, I could know. i was not really 
I just like to skate. I just like mm-hmm. I just like to hang. And uh, and then Henry and I actually took buses. We took a bus to California in 1978 to go skateboarding by ourselves. I was 16, oh, he was 17. Yep, we went out there three days or four days on a bus out, and three or four days on a bus back. We went skating up north California and down south, and met you know met some of the people that we really admired. Then in '79, late '78, that same year, people in my high school really got into new wave or punk. Yeah, and I was resistant to it because I thought it was ridiculous. What was but your mostly flavor? My, what was your flavor? I like Ted New. Oh, Ted Nugent. Ted New. Anything hard rock or hard funk. Okay. So Ted Nugent, Led Zeppelin, Parliament Funkadelic, Gap Band, nice. you know, uh, Jim, uh, I was a huge Jimi Hendrix fan, still am. Yes. Janis Joplin was hugely important to me. Um, you, know, you know, but the stuff that we were listening to was just stuff you could skate to. It had to be kind of hard, yeah. heavy or hard for us. And then, you know, when I, but punk had been, I first come across punk as really like a, from the media, the mass media, and it was just painted as the most absurd, ridiculous thing in the world. Yes, it was. Um, so I really was like uh, making fun of it, but then I, at some point, someone said, you should probably listen to it so you know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. And I took a bunch of, I borrowed some records, and I sat down, this had been the fall of 78. You know, a couple of them really scared the shit out of me, and I, it just blew my mind um, hearing this music that didn't sound like anything I'd ever really heard before. Um, and then all of a sudden it was it was uh i suddenly realized oh this is what i've been looking for because i grew up at a time in the late 60s where music was so tied to social revolution and, and activism it was so tied to civil rights movement the anti-war movement the women's live movement you know like all that stuff the gay rights movement it was like music was central to all that yep. but then in the 70s music was not aligned with any of that really it was just more like it just seemed like the people who made it were just like cokeheads or something. I don't know. It just good, wasn't there was good no time, political good time party people with horse blinders. What's that? Good time party people with horse blinders. <laughs> right, and I just sort of thought, but it, so I kind of bailed out. I thought I was going to play music. I thought I played music when I was twelve or thirteen. I'd always played piano, but then, but then I just couldn't. It didn't make any sense to me. And I was coming. From, no, my parents weren't musicians. Nobody was a music. I didn't know any musicians. And okay. So I gave up on that idea. But then when punk came along. Suddenly, it was like, oh, this is within reach. And the first band I saw, the first punk band I went to go see is The Cramps. I saw them on February 3rd, 1979. Very lucky. Uh, and that show just fucking blew my mind. And when I saw the what they were playing, it was on the one hand so rudimentary, but also so incredibly brilliant. Yeah. Um, that I was like, I can, that I can do. Like that, and also punks were like, give us the new idea. That's what the punks wanted. So, right. so the first band I was in was a band called the Slinkies. Yep. And we played our first show in the August of '79. We played one and only one show, and then our singer Mark went off to college, um, and he's still one of my best friends. I see him every week. Um, he's also on the skateboard team, by the way. Oh, sure. Mark Sullivan, and yeah, and um, and then um, and then we uh, Mark left, so we had this other another kid from Wilson, the high school we went to. We were all high school kids. He was a kid, Nathan Straycheck, who was sort of the coolest punk in town. Um, and we asked if he wanted to sing, and he was up for it. And that was a, the Teen Idols, I-D-L-E-S, oh, Teen Idols. Yeah, so we played from 19, we played our first show in 19, in 19 late 79, December yeah. 79. We played through until, uh, our last show was November, uh, November the 6th, 1980. Okay. Um, at which point, Meyer Threat started practicing and I moved it from bass to vocals. Oh, I didn't wow. sing. I mean, I was playing bass in the Teen Idols, 
and then um, and then Myra Thread played our first show on December thirteenth, which is two days ago, forty years ago. Oh wow! Yep. What do you think yep. about that? When you think about that, like what what is it that hits you knowing that you're still doing the same thing forty years later? But I don't know if you realized it at the time. Maybe you had foresight for yourself, like maybe this is my path and this is what I'm always going to do. But like, how do no, you? No, no, it's not like that. I'm not. I think the thing about me is that I'm not goal oriented. Okay. I don't. I've never thought like this is where I want to be. Right. Because I am where I want to be. Right. Like right I on. work. I just work on what's in front of me. Right. And I figure if I'm taking good care of that and taking good care of myself and taking good care of the people around me, then I'll then I'll you know I'll live to see another day. And the yeah. next thing you know, it's you know decades later. But the thing is, it never stops being interesting to me. Like today, for instance, I'm actually. I've been working on like building, like you know, like helping build, like fix up this garage thing, and working on Discord House, and nice. I got people working here now. And I was earlier earlier today, like you know, scraping paint off of a uh, you know some fixtures, and I'm gonna you know I get off the phone, I'm gonna hang up the the I'm gonna hang up you know some storm windows because it's supposed to snow tomorrow. And then, right. <laughs> but I also was I also was you know having a discussion about like people's like the you know the the salary stuff at the end of the year we got to figure out bonuses and oh, yeah. I'm, I'm digitizing tapes from a friend of mine who interviewed his parents who just recently died and so i have these old these cassettes so i'm digitizing those and i have you know ten thousand, you know uh you know phone calls to return it just it never stops i told someone earlier today i said you know i have you know every morning i wake up with too much to do that i want to do and so, so it's never, right. I never feel like, I never feel like my life is, um, a burden. I never, I'm never bored. I am never bored. Let's put it that right. way. You know, it's just on. And I wish, obviously, you know, I feel like on the one hand, I love the idea of like, what if I could only play music? I could just work on songs and that'd right. be great. Except it's also great, frankly, to like, to be like pulling down metal shelving and yeah. like, and it just, it's good for you. Like, I just think it's good work. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, you just do the work. And, you know, there's a guy who wants, there's a, a person who came to work for me at discord. Um, and she, and she was, she's super cool. But after she, she was doing some mail order stuff or something, she was packing records. And after like six months, she kind of said like, well, my, you know, like, I've been here for six months. Could I, should I be moving up to a different position or something? Right. And I said, you know, I've been here for 35 years. I'm still sweeping. Right, right. Like, I still, I'm still cleaning. So, I mean, that's a, other, earlier, again, like, earlier yeah. today, I was, like, cleaning an old mirror that we're going to hang up. You know, right. like, to me, like, that is, that's the good news. Right. That, you know, it's like, you're doing everything. It's like, it's like being, like, living on the farm or something. Do you feel you've gotten busier so, since COVID? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been crazy busy. What do you it's think it super, is about COVID that has uh, really pushed the button for a lot of artists, or maybe just for you? What is what is uh, probably captured them and made them go like, okay, here's a time to really do something. I don't think that co I don't think that the lockdown necessarily compelled me to suddenly. Like, oh, now's the chance to do this stuff. I think literally for the last 10 or 12 years, I've embarked on a, a, a series of projects that right. are so overwhelming, and they're all coming due. Like, right. i got to get them done. Yeah. Uh, now, we were, I mean, there is aspects of, 
me on the one hand, uh, you know, it's a bummer because like Kariki, you know, we can't play. Right. Um, and we were just starting to do gigs. They were going great. And I mean, we yeah, were I heard everything was like one of the last awesome. show we played was like right, right in. Um, I guess it was right at the beginning of March was our last our last yeah. show, and then everything like closed up. So then, um, but so that's but we have been practicing. We practiced you know twice a week or sometimes three times a week, and awesome. try to write new songs. But it's weird because what's the point? You, cause you can't play them. You know, like yeah. <laughs> there's that part of it. You can have a um, lot of songs when you can play. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I have a lot of music, but I don't have a lot of songs, right? Because right? the songs <laughs> the songs require. I gotta have a point. Like no. I can't. It's just you know. Gotcha. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. But I was gonna say that. Yeah. So I think for me, mostly, um, it's true. If I could just work on music, I'd probably get this stuff done. But on the other hand, you know, like I, you think about this, like in the beginning when I first got into punk, the songs I wrote were about being like a person just living, and then you, the music right. was a way of expressing that. But after a while, if you're just in a band, then your your life is just you're singing about being in a band. Yeah. Right. I mean, this kind of the, the cliche, gotcha. of course, is like, yeah. you know, the, the, the song about the guy who's on tour and how hard it is the tour. And you go, <laughs> come on. You know, right. like, you know, when you, when you hear someone come singing a song about how hard it is to, to be a touring band, you're like, this fucking counts your blessings. You know, I enjoyed, so, um, I, I enjoyed yeah. being on tour and getting paid $5 a day. Yeah, of course. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my entire life. I spent a month on the road making $5 a day as a drum tech and a guitar tech for a band. Who'd you go out with? Oh, Hot Water Music? Oh, yeah, sure. I was their first roadie. We had all moved up from Sarasota and Bradenton together before they actually yep. uh, created the band. So yep. I just was here, and I was a You're on the family. Had... I get it. Yeah, I knew how to work yep. on cars and that kind of thing. So I got to go along for the, the craziest ride of my life. <laughs> I went, I actually, I rode for black flag in England in 1981. Holy cow. Um, uh, we flew, <laughs> and I had to pave my own way to get out there wow. and they, and, and they took money for me to buy food. We were Are so broke. So that cost me about $700, which that beats your $5 a day shit. You that's know? a lot. That's a lot of money back then. <laughs> yeah, it was it killed me. It was like it was like I was broke. I, mean, I was super broke. I right before I remember before I flew out there, I was went to a show. Actually, it was a Black Flag show at nine thirty club here in DC, and oh, I walked up. There's like at the nine thirty club. There's a long hallway mm -hmm. between the door of the venue and the street, right. and um, this is the old nine thirty. And so when people are waiting for the gig, there'd be a long line of people in this long hallway. And I walked up down the hallway with a sign saying, send a punk to England. And I had a little bucket for money and people donate all this money. I had Very to raise smart. like, you know, uh, a few hundred bucks because I was so poor, but the ticket was $600 round trip to England. Oh, wow. And then, and then we got there, the band, we were supposed to do a tour opening for the exploited, um, oh, wow. this British oi band. Yes. But then Wadi, the singer, broke his supposedly broke his ankle and the tour was canceled oh, so they had no shows and nowhere to stay and then we and they said they were trying to scrimp together last minute um last minute shows right. which they managed to get about 10 i think uh <laughs> we were there for two and a half or three weeks or something um we were just we were sleeping 10 people in a one bedroom apartment and uh, uh. i slept on a love seat with my head and feet up <laughs> and uh and the Black Fly guys, our per, our food per diem a day was two rolls 
a hunk of cheese and an apple. Wow. And then the rest of it you had to scrape, scrape together yourself. It was incredible. <laughs> and the experience was mind-blowing. Right? Like, to this day, like, I can still recount, like, you know, like, stories about that, yes. that trip. I can really, I, you know, but that's the thing, like, that, I, you know, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I was, I was and I love touring. I yes. just love, I, you know, I'm comfortable wherever I wake up, so. Right. Um. But I also like being home, so it's all good. Whatever, whatever. I said, as I said in the beginning, I work on what's in front of me. Right. How is it? Just a question. Your your um. What you do and what you have done, being someone who is um set up kind of like, to me is a really killer DIY, um ideology i mean that's why i do my podcast i do it diy i'm the only one i pay for my own equipment i buy my own patches i give them away i make t-shirts i give them away um because i want to share something with the people you know i want to share something with other people who love art and music what is it about music and art that made you decide that you wanted to stick with a certain amount of money for shows and make that kind of like a, to me, as a growing up poor in Sarasota, I was going to see punk bands like No Fraud and Black Flag. Right. You know, and I, we were paying like two or three bucks back, right. in, back in the 80s. You know, and yep. you guys were doing shows for five bucks. You guys are still, yep. you know, sticking with it. What is it about being an artist that made you decide to do that because I feel it's artistry and maybe an empathy and maybe some other things just as a, a human that you decided to do. Like what is the, I mean, I would say all, I mean, basically all of those things, like, I mean, there's, I mean, people used to say to me like, you know, why don't you eat meat? And I, and, and I'd say, and I'd say the answer, the question is why not? Like, why should I? Right. Like, why should I eat meat? Like, that's the question. Not, it's not like, what is it? What is, like, why shouldn't I be a vegetarian or a vegan? Like, what's the reason that I shouldn't be? And there's only one reason, really, which is just a matter of convenience, right? Because right. you have an entire system that's, that's predicated. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, eva I'm not evangelizing about it. I'm no, just saying, totally. people, is it you? I'm, the point is that I look at the, I, I often turn things around. So, for instance, if you think about music, the way the music business works, it's like the general rule is one that is predic is really based on like it's like a, a it's a it's a for profit motive and and it's right. so it seems so counterintuitive to me in terms of what I think what how I think about music so so from from my point of view like I looked at the situation I thought like there's a million like same way with my like the diet like you think about it like there's so many positives yeah. about it that has come with the territory versus so the same way. Like for instance, when you have a low ticket price, yeah. right? <clears throat> of course, it's a deal. It's a better deal for the people come to see. I, when I can see shows, I'd rather pay, you know, five or ten bucks rather than fifty to a hundred dollars. Right. I mean, that seems kind of obvious. Um, another thing is that when you come with that kind of attitude, the promoters and the other people involved with the show are like, "Oh, these people aren't just trying to rob us." Right. right? They so everybody they it changes the tenor of the whole thing. Um, it's it also like means that it moves you. across the board. You're just trying to right, make it yeah, fair then, for everybody. Uh, right. Another, but, but another thing is that when you play at low ticket price, then you don't have to be 
Like, if I'm charging a lot of money, I better play that song. Right? right? The song that everybody wants to hear or whatever right. it is. Exactly. You know, you got to be, you have to put on a, you have, you, to have win. To, you have to earn your keep, right? And I mm-hmm. feel like, but when you have a low ticket price, it's sort of like, it leaves it open to to the possibilities of something happening. I mean, Fugazi never used a set list. No shit. So, wow. never, not once. Wow. So, we had 110 songs and we had to kind of make it up as we went. So, sometimes, you know, I would say we were usually pretty damn good. But there were probably some nights we stunk. <laughs> yeah, some nights we probably stunk. But those nights, if we say like, well, cheaper at a parking place, so right. fuck it. You know, totally. five bucks, you can't complain. The night you played um, in Gainesville a- in the early 2000s was not a bad night. That was a good night. Oh, is it that brick place? What was it called? The Brick Brick City. What was it? Brick City, yeah. Right. Yes. I remember that gig, yeah. That um, was, that was those- a crazy show. You guys played, I mean, I I remember it. Just now, just thinking about it, how you guys were tight, and it was, yeah, I we were lucky and got one of the, the one of the good five dollar shows, and I appreciate yeah. that well, so I think, much. And, and the, but the <laughs> so the point about the, the ticket price, just but also the other thing about it, it's just it's 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 funny. Yeah, it's just people. I get very it. Very wrong. People say people would say to me, "Yo, you could do it now, but when you get bigger, you won't be able to do it." I'm like, "We'll see about that." Like that right. to me is just funny. It gets funny. When people say you can't do something, Definitely. and you're like, why not? And you realize the reason that people think you can't do it because nobody ever tried it. Right. They just assume at some point, like, oh, now you have to do this. Right. It's like, you know, I never went to college. I'm like, well, you have to go to college. I'm like, why? I'm not going to go to college, and I just didn't go. And then it's like, it's like it's in my world, I was so like, you just got to go to college or whatever. And, and there's just so many things like that where you're just like, like I don't, you know, I don't have a lawyer. Right. I never had a lawyer. I never yeah. used a contract for Discord. Wow. No contract. But no you know kidding. what? Discord's forty years. Discord is forty years old, and That's I've had crazy. never had a single band leave and take their record away from me. I've wow. had bands signed to other labels, whatever. But that's fine. I support them in their in their world. I want them to be happy. Right. But no one's ever taken a record from me ever, and the record we still sell those records, and we still. And two weeks ago, I was writing realty checks. Yeah. So, so I feel like people say you can't do it that way, but apparently you can. Right. And still be an artist and still survive and still be a And part have of four the... employees who all have health insurance. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, like, right. I mean, that's, 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 that's an amazing thing to provide for working people. So another question. Um, yeah, but, no, hold on one second. No, Let me ahead. put you on hold. Let me just make sure these guys are. Hold Please. on. Do those guys come up here? Just okay, cool. All right. Um, I got five more minutes, and I'm gonna have to jump off. Not those a guys problem. Are... Not a problem. Sorry, I don't mean to. I don't mean bad no. chance. It's tight. Please. Tight, tight. I've en- yeah. I've en- I've enjoyed the time that I've gotten. I'm not trying to push anything. Maybe one day you'll listen to the show, and you will have enjoyed it so much you'll be like, "Man, I need to talk to that weird." kid from Gainesville again. Well, um, I mean, I'm, the thing is, like, if you have particular things you want to talk about, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to call you in again, that's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't mind that. I just mostly, but if you want me to just sort of, like, I mean, I could talk for hours. It doesn't really, no, like, it doesn't totally. do me any, like, it's got to be focused, that's all. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand completely. Like I said, you're a busy guy. I actually just was, uh, you know, like, I mean, on that note, you know, finally, I just want to say, like, I just want to say I have an appreciation for you 
all of us in Gainesville have had an appreciation for you. I don't know how many Halloweens there have been minor threat cover bands that I've seen That's funny. and I've seen in this town for over the past twenty plus years. Uh, I have a great I have a great Halloween story for you. I was there's a I grew I live in this neighborhood called Mount Pleasant in D.C. and yeah. one of the streets is a street called Lamont Street. And every Halloween, not this Halloween obviously, but every Halloween they have this massive Halloween street party. Like just literally hundreds and hundreds of kids. I mean, people end up dumping out you know hundreds of dollars on candy and all right. stuff. But the street is just choked with people, and we live like three blocks from there. So I was, you know, we, I get, I have a 12-year-old now, but when he was maybe six or something, we went up there, and he was sort of, you know, checking out the scene. He's not, he's not really into tr- trick-or-treating, but right. we were just hanging out. And this guy, this, like, man walks up to me, like, a, you know, younger, like, I'm, you know, he's probably in his 20s or something. He walks up, and he says, oh, my God, dude. And I go, what? He goes, you look so much like him. <laughs> and I go, who? And he goes, Ian McKay. I go, I'm Ian McKay. And he's like, oh, shit, I thought you had a costume on. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's funny. I like that. That's that's yeah. amazing. And keep up the good work. I appreciate you doing what you've done. And I know as an artist, there are things, no matter how much you love, there are things that you give up. There are things that you have to sacrifice to do what you love. And as an artist and a musician, I want to say thank you for that. And I appreciate you taking the time and oh. some other day. You're, you're kind. I mean, I, you're kind. Yeah. I, I have to say that, that, that to me, maybe there's some sacrifice, but I'm not sure what it is. Like, I'm not sure what that sacrifice, like, I don't know what those things are. I feel like that, that, I guess I feel like that there's this notion about sacrifice that you have to sacrifice to do something right. in a way, but maybe life is not that, maybe it's not like that. Maybe that's just something that we've kind of come, we've kind of come to think about because of the way um, our society is structured things, right. you know? So for instance, like to give you an example, like this is within the music business, for instance, and I talk about this a lot, that like when bands tour, they usually are touring in support of their new album, right? Yes. Like you, so you say they're touring on a record or whatever. But if you stop and think about it, what the fuck, what is that about? Why would human beings get into vehicles and put in endless hours and do all this work in support of a piece of plastic? Right. It's completely backwards. It is. The records <laughs> are the records are put out in support of the tour, not right. the other way around. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is the way things have been. We've been screwed and skewed by the industry. Yeah. Everything is backwards, and I think that and even in in life, when people talk about like, so, you know, you have to make certain sacrifices. I'm thinking, of, what does that mean? Like, why? What? Where's? What is that based on? And right. Maybe maybe life is more simple, hmm. and that if we if we don't think about the things that I guess it's a matter of expectation, if we don't have a sense of like what we feel like we should be getting, right. Then we wouldn't think about it as a sacrifice. Like, right. you know, like I don't think that I'm owed anything. Right on. Yeah. 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 Right. I think I'm just doing the do. Yeah. That's right. what I, you know, so I don't feel you're like walking the I walk mean, and you're talking the talk. So, right. So I feel like I want, you know, I like guess, you know, I do feel like, you know, people should be, 
friendly with me. I, I shouldn't be rude with me. But that's not because I don't think it's like I've earned it. That's right. just because I think people should be friendly. You know, yeah. you know, and if, if someone's being rude to me, I'm like, oh, the fuck off. You know, like, yeah. I don't, it's like, I don't, you know, that's fine. But it, so I think that there's a, um, I think that, that, um, and it's funny because people often say to me, like, well, you're, you're really fortunate because you live off your music. I don't live off my music. I live off my work right. and I work fucking hard yeah. so I can play music when, where, how, and why I want to. Right. Right. That's yep. the reason I do. Like I booked all the shows for Fugazi. We wow. did you know, most of the driving. You know, we did the work. Yeah. We did that work because we wanted to have control over it. Yep. And so when people say like, well, yeah, you're living off your music. I'm like, not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I live off my work. Yes. And my music, like the music I, you know, for me, I say, you know, like, you know, you work for nothing and you get, you know, it's like, is it, was it, is you, you know, uh, you work for free and get paid and you get paid for nothing. Yep. And that's really like the way I never think of my time as having a price tag on it. And then I'll play a show and someone handed me some money where I get a royalty check. I'm like, well, that's weird. That came yeah. out of nowhere. Right. Because why, you know, like, as you know, like when you're touring out there, you weren't thinking like, well, now I'm making some money. You're <laughs> thinking like, man, this is, I'm alive. Yeah. That's very right? true. Yep. Very true. But anyway, I appreciate I certainly okay. appreciate Ian, your thoughts. Ian McCann, your, yeah. thank you so much. Is there anything that you would like to push or say anything to the people before you leave this evening? Um, oh, yeah, just be well. Be awesome. kind, be well. And don't yeah, and and and, and um And check out and remember it, check it, out it, the it, new it, stuff. It also Oh, yeah, well, they can figure that out, but it, yeah. But you know, it's it's sometimes it's slow. Yeah. But, you know, the clock turns, and yes. the clock turns, things change. So you got to stick around, Yeah. and you'll see. Should, the stuff that seems so unending will end. No, for sure. Wow. Thank you for your time, sir, so much. Great to talk to you, Jay. You too, Ian. You take care. Talk to you again. Have a wonderful All right, night. Man. Peace. Later.